as we go into this holiday season, I, I want to tell you there's good news. There, there's, there's a way that you can get through the 25th and into this new year with joy and with peace and just with excitement for, for, for God to do something in our lives. And we're going to talk about that. Um, I'm going to read through a scripture, very famous scripture during this time of the year for, for the Christmas season. It's written by Luke, who was a doctor who started following Christ after Jesus died. Uh, what's great about Luke is he's a physician, so he's this doctor, and, and he has a, the ability to talk to these different people that interacted with Jesus. And so I think there's a lot of uh, validity to this story as, as Luke is, you know, digging in and, and finding out, all right, what did Jesus say? What were these stories? I can imagine Luke sitting with Jesus' mother, Mary, and saying, all right, so what kind of, how was Jesus as a baby? You know, what was that like? And what happened? She's going to be like, well, let me tell you the story. And so I can see Luke as he's writing the notes and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this uh, to people all around the world so they can know about the good news. And so we're going to read through this. If, um, it, it's found in Luke 2. You can go for me. Uh, Luke 2, it starts off saying in, in the, um, that, that Caesar was king. We're going to read that. Let me find that here. This is the birth of Jesus, chapter 2 of Luke. It says, In those days Caesar Augustus, Augustus issued a decree that the census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This is the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their hometown to register. So it starts off, the Christmas story starts off, I mean, there's a story before this, but it really starts off saying, all right, so Caesar issues this decree that everybody has to go back to their hometown. See, in Jesus' day, when he, the, the country he was born into is Israel, and at the time, Israel was under the rule of the Roman government. So there was an, a, a severe oppression for this, this nation who says, our God is the strongest God, the greatest God, he's the only God. Well, there's other nations that come in, and it happened over and over, mainly because a lot of people, their hearts turn away from God, and that was part of the consequences of it. And so um, Rome comes in, and they're, and they're dominating. Well, Rome was the world power. All right? They ruled from like India all the way to like what would be known as England. That was what they covered. That was like the known world. Is, is they, they controlled it all. This one government, this one king who had rule over it. Well, one of the ways you keep track of your government is by doing these census every so many years. And so he issued this one. All the people had to go. And the fact that all of them are displaced says that they couldn't find work in their own place. Maybe they, they couldn't afford uh, the, the mortgage on their house. Their property was taken from them. So they had to go look for work elsewhere. Well, when he makes his decree, everybody has to go back to their hometown so they can kind of figure out what's going on. So he's giving us insight into the, into the story of what's going on. So he's saying in those days of Caesar Augustus. He's saying there's something that was happening in the people of Israel at this time. And he goes on to say, Joseph and Mary, they traveled back to, to Bethlehem, um, and, they, and they went back to, to be there. And, and while they were there, Mary had a baby, and his name was Jesus. They named him Jesus, which means Savior. And we're going to pick up here in the message. If It'll be behind me. I love how Eugene Peterson uh, paraphrased and took the, the Bible and he translated it in just a wonderful uh, way. So if you go to that next one for me, this is how Eugene Peterson uh, says it. Oh, before I get there, sorry, yes, this is an important slide. So in Jesus' day, you know, I think sometimes we, we, we disconnect and we, we filter everything through what we're facing and going through. Well, in Jesus' time and day, uh, 95% of the population, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. All right, so there was severe poverty. There was um, this, this oppression by the Roman government. In fact, 80 to 90% of their income was taxed. From, from the Roman government, from, the, from, the, um, from Herod, and even some of the temple tax that they were putting on the people of Israel. So can you imagine trying to live on 10% of your income? You know, with 100% of my income, it's sometimes there's not enough. You're like, man, I need more income. Well, try living on 10% of your income. 
and, and begin to imagine the strain that they, the people of Israel felt as this world power known as the, the Roman Empire overshadowed you and did pretty much whatever they wanted to do. And in fact, if, if enemy tried to uprise, they invented ways to kill people that were opposed to the Roman government. How did they get power? Well, they'd go to a village and say, all right, you say Caesar is Lord or we kill you. So you had options where we declare Caesar is God or we die. And so the people that resisted would die. They would go in and burn just villages that, that would resist. And they would, they would make an example of saying, hey, this is what it looks like for people who don't want to um, listen to the, to, to the lordship of Caesar. And so there was just a huge oppression on the, in, the, in the people of Israel. So if you can imagine 90, 90%, 80-90% of your income being taxed, trying to live and trying to provide and take care of your family, not knowing where, where food is going to come from. This is the majority, all right? So when it comes to Christmas, you know, sometimes in our culture, man, we talked about a couple weeks ago that the average American spends $1.3 for every dollar they make. So we're going in debt every year. The average American goes in debt more and more every year. Well, that's kind of very similar to what they're facing. You know, they would, they'd be tough things taken from them. They had to either submit or they would die. And the way that the Roman got strong, empire got stronger is by taxing the countries that they were in control of so they have more money so they can pay for more troops so they can have more territory and they could tax more people. And so it grew. And so you can, you can imagine the strain the people of Israel felt, okay? And this time, um, 2,000 years ago, just this, man, what, God, I thought you were like, I thought you cared for us. I thought you loved us. Like, what is going on? This is horrible, these people, they come in and they make us do what they want us to do. And if we don't, they, they beat us up. They, they, they kill us. They invented a way to kill people called a crucifixion. It was like the, the worst torture you can give somebody, the cross. And so there, there was places where they, they killed so many people, they didn't have enough crosses to hang them. Hundreds of people at a time they would crucify that would resist. So when we talk about the Christmas story, you know, we sing these nice songs about, you know, uh, joy of the world and and in the manger, there's peace and all this stuff. Well, for a lot of people, they didn't really know it was coming, but there was not a lot of peace. And there was a lot of stress. There was a lot of strain. There was a lot of um, hopelessness. And they were trying to figure out, man, what, where's God in the middle of all of this? I can't even feed my kids. Where's God? Maybe you can relate to this a little bit as you go into the Christmas season, you know, as you're trying to maybe figure finances. Maybe you have strained relationships. You're thinking, I have, to, I have to be with these people again. I'm going to have to have those conversations. It's going to get awkward. And we get all these emotions that can come with it. Well, in the middle of all this, um, there's, there's some good news that was given uh, to us. See, we turn on the media. Um, some nights we can't even watch the news because, man, after a while you're like, man, this is really depressing. Like, there's all this bad news after bad news after bad news. And you're thinking, man, what, what is our world coming to? And I know they don't show a lot of the good news. That, that's just the bad news that people want. They feed off that. There is good news that is taking place, but it's so easy to find bad news that if you don't, aren't intentional to look for the good news, you can miss it. Well, today I want to talk about the good news. And so this is how Eugene Peterson continues the story of, of Luke. If you got the next one for me. He says this, There were shep, sheep herders camping in the neighborhood, Eugene Peterson used great language, just our language, very, very common to us. He says there, there, were, there were sheep herders camping in the neighborhood. They had set, set up night watches over their sheep, and suddenly God's angels stood among them, and God's glory blazed around them. And they were terrified, as you can imagine, right? You're in the middle of the, the desert, you're having your sheep, you're looking for wolves, and, you know, make sure that they're not going to get eaten, your sheep aren't. And all of a sudden, an angel appears, Right? 
They stood among them in the glory blaze, and they were just, they freaked out. And this is what the angel says. Don't be afraid. I'm here to announce a great and joyful event that is meant for everybody worldwide. A Savior has just been born in David's town. A Savior who is Messiah and Master. And he goes on to say, next one. This is what you're to look for. A baby wrapped in a blanket and lying in a manger. And once the angel was joined by a huge angelic choir singing God's praises. And this is what the angel is saying as, as a song. He said, Glory to God in the heaven, heavenly heights. Peace to all men and women on earth who please him. Peace to all those who please him. So in the middle of the oppression, in the middle of the darkness, in the middle of what the people of Israel are feeling by this this, this nation that they don't want to, to tell them who to worship and how to worship and how to live, they're saying, where is the hope? Man, where are you at, God? You did great things for ancestors, but where are you at? And an angel appears to some working class guys in the middle of the desert, some shepherds, and says, hey, I have some good news for you. It's going to produce great joy in people. And here's the good news. It's going to be peace to all mankind who please the Lord. So it's an invitation to give peace. And so um, Luke is writing this story and he's, he's saying um, there's something really amazing uh, that, that is happening. There's something amazing that is happening. See, in, in our life, I don't know what you think when it comes to peace. You know, when I say the word peace, I don't know if that means having so an X amount of dollars in your bank account. That brings peace. I don't know if it means no fighting at your house. I don't know if that means peace. I don't know if it means if you just have a quiet evening. If that means peace, I don't know what it means. For a lot of different people, it can mean different things. For some people, it can mean our heart, you know, be, staying the same, a calm, constant, without anxiety. Well, you know, during Christmas time, it's very easy for us to get anxious and for our heart, heart to, to start to rise and our heartbeat to go up and to us to get very overwhelmed. In the middle of this, God wants to bring us peace. I want, I want to do something. Um, for one minute, I want you just to breathe. All right? It might be a little weird. But it's just all I want you to do is count how many breaths you take in this one minute. All right? So it'll just be one minute's time where you just, just listen to your breathing. You know, you don't have to be weird like, because <laughs> people will be like, man, that guy is going to hyperventilate. Somebody get him a, a bag. Just for one minute, just pay attention. Just slow down enough just to say, all right, how often am I breathing? All right? One minute. Just breathe. Here we go. And go. Close your eyes when you close your eyes and it's a little not so less awkward. Isn't it amazing that when you're quiet for a minute, how long a minute takes, right? Especially when you're in a big group of people, you're like, wow, that was really long. I don't even know that was a minute. I, my, my thing's not working. So I'm just saying, I'm figuring it's a minute. It probably was less than a minute if you were counting. One of the things as a girl, we do not want to be average, all right? Let me tell you a little about the average American, all right? The average American will take 20 breaths in one minute. 
You know what it should be? Six. Yeah. How many, how many did you take? Did anybody take more than ten? Yeah? More than twenty? Alright. Less than ten? Alright. We have a few people that are, you know, kind of, they're kind of peaceful, right? That's good. Yeah, so, so it's supposed to be around six. That, that's a healthy kind of place. I mean, if you're running and playing sports, obviously, yeah, you're going to take a lot. But what it says about us is we're so driven and we're so on to the next thing that sometimes we're just working so hard that we don't have time just to relax and say, man, we just got to breathe. I need peace. So they did a study and they, 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 they did some studies. They found um, that we only access 10 to 20% of the energy that we can actually get from breathing. So they say anywhere from 80 to 90% of your energy just comes from the oxygen you take in alone. And that means out of 80 to 90% of the energy that we could have, we're only really tapping into about 10 to 20% because we don't breathe correctly right enough. And the reason I'm saying this is because we, we as a culture, especially during Christmas, we can get very driven and very all these things that we don't have time just to pause and say, all right, what's this really all about? What is this all about? They did, they did some studies. They found that um, in remote Africa, remote place in Africa, for grade school students, the kids would breathe five to eight times a minute. All right? In America, they found in grade school students 16 to 20, 20 times or higher. So there's a, there's a, a very big contrast there between, you know, remote parts of Africa where these kids maybe have more peace. They're not really stressed out over things. And in our kids, what we're passing on and what we're creating in our culture. Right? So, it's very easy for us to be able to just um, be going through everything and miss out on really what's taking place because we're on to the next thing so quickly. What's the next thing? Well, the angel says, don't be afraid. I'm here to announce great and joyful events that is meant for everybody worldwide. Man, there's a Savior that's been born. He's the Master, the Messiah. A joyful event that is meant for everybody. So, peace. So, what comes to mind? In, in Isaiah, um, Isaiah goes, he's in a prophet, 700 years before Jesus was born, there's a prophecy that says there's going to be a man who's born who's going to be the savior of the world, Messiah. He's going to come, and he gives these specifics, like he's going to be found as a little baby wrapped in a manger in clothes. And he goes on to say this, if you can put this behind me, Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, it says, Unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. So Isaiah is saying there's going to be a gift that's going to be given. 700 years later, angels show up in the middle of all these shepherds and say, yeah, I have some good news. Something's taking place. History is about to change forever. Everything you feel and everything you felt, man, there, God has something for you. Don't miss it. There's something here. And they announce the good news. That for unto us a child is born, a son is given. And it goes on and continues. It says, And he will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. That's a pretty cool title. It's going to be the King of Peace. King of Peace. See, the Roman government made a promise. They were going to bring world peace. One government, peace. You know what their peace looked like? Follow us or die. That's not a lot of peace. It's a forced, it's a fake peace. It's saying, well, we're going we're to make sure everything, you know, in the streets are no fights, all this stuff, we're going to take care of you. Well, no, you really don't have a choice because it's either you, you follow them or you die. 
Sometimes we have a misconception of peace, and, and God says his name is going to be the Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Peace. Be still. Peace. I'm going to show you a video. It talks about that, that name, Prince of Peace. And in this video, ask yourself something. Um, as, as you've been going through life, maybe you've come today and you really don't know much about Jesus, much about maybe then the Christmas story. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what, what you've come here with your understanding. But in the middle of this, God's invitation is for us to follow him as the Prince of Peace. He's not like the Roman government that says follow or die. He actually is a loving God that says it's your choice. And I have a good plan for you. If you follow, you're going to find a lot of joy and peace in it. If you don't, there'll be, there'll be just results of, of living outside of what I want. Where do you fall? Do you fall under, under that Prince of Peace, that King of Peace? Or do you find yourself maybe venturing off doing your own thing, knowing that maybe it's not even right? Watch this video for me. I've always thought that peace would be the thing that would remove my anxiety or peace would calm me when I'm disturbed. But when we study Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we find that he is so much more than just that. So who is Jesus? Among many other names, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, it's the words Sar Shalom. Let's talk about those words, Sar. It means the one who is in charge. It means the captain. It means the Lord. It means the chief. It means the general. Uh, the Romans, they use this word, Sar. It became C-Z-A-R. Then it became Caesar, like uh, Julius Caesar. It was the one who was in charge. Jesus is the captain, the chief, the Lord, the Sar of Shalom. What does Shalom mean? Shalom was actually a greeting that one person would give to another. Shalom means rest. It means tranquility. It means wholeness. It means completeness. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. You could say he's the captain of rest. He is the Lord of tranquility. He is the chief of contentment. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. As long as we're under Christ, we can have his peace. Does that mean that we can do anything we want and still have peace? Well, of course not. Can a guy get his girlfriend pregnant and then go to church and have peace? No, because he's doing something outside of the lordship or the leadership of shalom. Can a couple get in a big hairy fight and go ballistic and call each other names and embarrass their kids and then all of a sudden expect to have the peace of God? Well, of course not. Why? Because they're outside of the star shalom. Can a person charge up all their credit cards and spend more money than they make and then just expect to have a peace? No, they're outside of the will of the Sar Shalom. It's only when we're under the lordship of the Sar, the one who's in charge, that we experience his peace. Jesus is the Sar Shalom, the Prince of Peace. The amazing thing is when we're under the lordship of Christ, he can give us a peace that most people don't understand. When your private world is falling apart, Jesus can give you an inward peace that goes beyond human understanding. And just as the Sar Shalom can give you peace, he can also take that same peace away. 
Why would he do that? Because he is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. He may remove your peace to get your attention. He may remove his peace when you've left him to draw you back to him. Why would he do it? He's the Lord of Peace, the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. encourage you, if, if you have not submitted and committed your, 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 your life to the Lordship of Christ, it is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. You're inviting the Prince of Peace to come and, and, and lead you and guide you. That's awesome. You know, a few years back, there, there was, um, um, my daughter was turning two, it was about 2009, um, our second child, she was, she was going to turn two, we're having a birthday party for her. Um, well, in the middle of, of getting to the, to the birthday in, in November, in, in August, there was, um, we, had, we, went, we were driving to Santa Fe, and there was this freak hail storm uh, that just demolished our car, just, like, put these, you know, just made it horrible. So we had to take it in to get it serviced. And while we had the car serviced, um, I got in a car accident in the rental car. Okay, so, you know, deductibles, you know, those works, so deductible for the hail, deductible for the rental car. And then the next month, uh, there's another car accident. We, well, we got our car back, and like two days later, we wreck our car that we just got fixed. Um, so another deductible. Um, on top of that, there was all these little things that just were piling up, and we started feeling the strain uh, and the weight of all of the pressure, of financial pressure in our life. And it was not fun. It was horrible. And so we're coming up to my, my daughter's birthday, and we had no money for a birthday gift. We, had, we, we barely had enough money to you know, buy a cake and, and do that. We were, we were tapped. We were out. And so I was really overwhelmed. As, as a dad, you know, we, we take a lot of that pressure on us as, the, as the, you know, providing for our family and doing this. And so as, as we go to this birthday party at my parents' house, it was in Santa Fe. We, can't, we came up from Rio Rancho where we were living at the time. And, and we had this party, and during the party, I just was feeling, like, really overwhelmed. If you call depressed, whatever, we, I just felt horrible. And so during the party, I would sneak off to the back room, and I would just sit on the bed like, man, I don't feel good. Like, I just was overwhelmed. Um, and so I would sneak away, and after a while, my sister would come in, like, hey, you okay? And I mean, yeah, I just don't feel good. And she's like, well, what, what's going on? I, just, I, like, I feel like this weight's on me, like, just, like, I'm going to, like, get sick almost. And so um, we'd go away. I would slip away again to the back room and just kind of sit there like, man, what is, man, this is not good. And she came in the second time and says, what's going on? I says, you know what? I just feel like, um, I feel like I'm a failure and, and I feel horrible. And she's like, it's okay, you know. We, we, she understood what we were going through, what we were facing. But I really felt just as a failure, as a, as a person. And in this room, I sat there just kind of in my, in my own self-pity. Just, it's horrible. Well, as, as the party goes on, the people are leaving. It's time to say goodbye to everybody. And as we're getting ready to, to as we're saying goodbye to people, my mother-in-law, she's, she's coming through, and, and uh, she knew some of the, the pressure we had. We talked to her. And at the end of the, the, the before we said goodbye, she's saying, you doing okay? I don't know if she, she sensed something. I don't know if God spoke to her. But she says, can I pray for you before I go? I know you're feeling overwhelmed. Can I pray for you? And I says, yeah, I would really appreciate that. And so she starts in, starts praying. And in the middle of it, she kind of stops and says, Eric, you are not a failure. Said, Eric, you are not a failure. Three times, Eric, you are not a failure. And by that time, man, you know, the floodgates opened up. I was, I was bawling. I was crying. Um, because a few minutes before, my wife came in and says, Eric, what's going on? I said, I feel like a failure. Here comes my mother-in-law says, can I pray for you? And then, you know, really God using her to speak to me says, Eric, you're not a failure. So I'm crying because I'm, I'm feeling God saying, you know what, in the middle of this, you're not a failure. And it was one of the, one of the 
um, one of the greatest moments of my life to really sense that God was speaking directly to me through somebody else. And she, she, she continued on. She prayed, and she had some other words for me. I was not listening because I was crying, and just I was overwhelmed. Like, man, I, I really feel like a failure. But God, if you're saying I'm not a failure, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to believe in you. I'm going to follow your lead. And, and she, she went home, and I missed a lot of what she said that really God was trying to speak to me. So God had to write a note to me. She wrote like three pages. still have it in my office where she just said, hey, this is what God, I think, is saying to you, so don't lose this. See, this video, we talked about how sometimes God removes peace. You know, those things weren't ordained. They weren't orchestrated by God to make us, you know, get in a financial crunch. Just things happen. And in the middle of it, God is saying, I want your attention. You know, you're, you're, you're getting anxious, you're getting overwhelmed, you're working yourself up. In the middle of this, I want you to pause and just say, man, is there something you want me to learn from this? See, I really believe that there was things going on in, in our life financially and just a lot of other things that were building up to this because God was trying to get our attention. He was trying to say, I need you to move on to the next thing in life and you're, not, you're, you're so comfortable and content with what you have that I have to do something to get your attention. I think... God and the people of Israel, he did this to the people of Israel out of a loving heart of saying, your hearts are turning away from what's right. And these are the, the, the consequences I told you would take place. And they would blame God and say, God, why is this nation, Roman nation, oppressing us? And he said, guys, I wanted to be your prince of peace and your king all the time, but you decided to follow other kings and other gods. And this is what happens when you do that. But as a loving God, he's saying, but I'm trying to get your attention. Come back. And he sent his son, Jesus, it's good news to bring peace to us. So after that, after that day, you know, I, I really said, God, I, I, I'm so grateful for what you're doing. And we begin to seek God for what he wanted. Um, we'll talk about this next few weeks. We're, we're going to start January with some prayer and fasting. We begin to pray and fast and say, God, what is it you're wanting to do in this? Obviously, we're missing it. And he began to say, I need you to move on to the next thing. And the next year, we actually left 11 year, a church that we were at for 11 years to, to come to Santa Fe to prepare for the Grove. Because God was trying to get our attention in the middle of this. See, God is trying to do things. There's a story in, in, um, in Mark, I can find it, Mark 4, where um, Jesus says, let's go to the other side of the lake. And he gets his, his disciples in the boat. And while they're going across, this, this huge storm begins to st- starts up and is making the, the waves are coming over the sides. And it says the disciples begin to freak out, like, man, we're going to die. And so they're saying, where's Jesus? And they go down to the bottom, and Jesus is asleep uh, on, on, a, on a pillow, it says. He's sleeping. In the middle of a storm, the Prince of Peace, God, is asleep. And the disciples say, Jesus, don't you care about us? We're about to die, and all you can do is sleep. And he's like, guys, it's okay. I, don't worry. Don't you know who I am? And he says he gets out, and he talks to the wind and to the sea, and he says, peace. Be still. And you know what happens? Everything, the storm just stops and calms down. And the disciples look at each other and say, who is this person? Even the wind and the water obeys him. He's the Prince of Peace. Isaiah said he's going to come. He's going to bring peace. See, there's, there's a, a letter that's written in Philippians from this, this man named Paul who's a follower of Christ. You know where this letter was written? In prison. So this guy is in chains, and he's been beaten, and he's been um, tortured, and, and just because he's a Christ follower. And he writes in prison, and he says, he says this. If you go to that for me, peace be still as a mark. Next one. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Next one. 
And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And he goes on to say, man, focus on on what God is doing. Live this way. Think about these things. And the God of peace will be with you. See, the angel announced peace. There's going to be peace to those who please God. See, his peace is not a forced peace like the Roman government says, hey, you better do this or else. No, it's an invitation that says this is a choice. And when you live a life that pleases God, the result of that is having peace. Because you have the Prince of Peace who is directing in, in the middle of it. It doesn't mean that storms won't happen. It won't mean that you will find yourselves in situations you don't like, like Paul did in prison. It just means that in the middle of whatever you're going through, you can have the right thoughts and you can think the right things where you can still have peace in the middle of that. See, in the middle of our, our, our financial strain in 2009, um, it wasn't just like the cars were, you know, got accidents and had all these things. Our house was about to be foreclosed on because we got too big of a loan and we couldn't afford it. So we were accumulating debt. Man, we had, we had new kids. We're trying to afford all this stuff. So there was all this pressure. And I remember the conversation my wife and I, we sat down and, and I, I, I felt like a failure because I couldn't afford my kids' presents. Man, is our house going to, are we going to do, are we gonna have to go through foreclosure? What's going to happen here? And all this pressure. And we had this conversation and she said, what's the worst thing that could happen? I said, we lose our house. And she said, then what? I don't know. We move in with some friends and family. We start over. We build our credit back up and we buy another house or we do whatever it takes. She said, I agree. You know how much peace I had after we realized what the worst could happen? That was it? It was kind of like, well, that's not that bad. Yeah, sure, I have a little pride, you know, because we, we went through that. Things turned around after that because we began to have the right perspective of saying, is it really that important? Is it really that important? I mean, our daughter, we have this two-year-old who's, who's, who's a voice in our life that says, um, Sela Mia, it's, it's a pause and reflect and stop and think about what's really important in life. And we have this daughter we're celebrating. In the middle of it, God is saying, hey, here's your Sela moment. All right, pause and reflect. Even if you can't buy your daughter a gift, you know, she's not even going to know, remember that, at two years old. If you didn't have all the cool birthday stuff at a party, it's okay. You can make it up for her when she's 16 or 17 or whatever. Have peace. Calm. See, God is the Prince of Peace. And in the middle of whatever we face, He wants to bring calm to us. He wants to bring peace in our marriages, in our workplaces, in our finances. He's saying there's a way that works. If you follow it, you'll have peace. If you don't, you're going to miss it, and you won't have peace. There's this, there's this famous saying that says this, if you know God, you will know peace. But if, you, if there's no God in your life, then there will be no peace. It might be a temporary peace where you feel good for a while, but you will lack peace. So my challenge is this, it, know God. Invite him to be the prince of peace in your life. That means that we submit to his, his, his rule, his reign, his lordship, and says, God, we want to follow your lead. See, every week um, at the Grove, we give opportunities for people that come. Maybe you're new. Maybe you come for a few weeks. We give opportunities for you to say, you know what? It's so important for you to say, all right, if there's a God that made this world, and I want to be able to accomplish what he wants me to accomplish. So I need to really follow his way and figure out what it is for my life. And, and the step, the first step is just an invitation of saying, God, I want you to be my Prince of Peace. I want you to be my Lord. I need peace. In the middle of it, he's going to say, man, calm down. Watch, watch how you're breathing. How many times are you breathing a minute? Are you working yourself up so much? See, Paul said in Philippians, man, don't be so anxious and everything. Pray. Pray. And there'll be a peace that you can't even understand that'll come over you.
I knew what that peace was after we went through all that stuff in 2009. Because God says, just calm down. In the middle of all this, I'm going to do something great. We didn't foreclose on our house. It's awesome. We were able to, to move to Santa Fe and begin the process of planting the grove. And God began to just do something really cool in the middle of it all. What storm are you going through? Have you gone through? Then in the middle of it, you're thinking, man, I can't handle this. I can't take it. And all the while, God is saying, you know what? I want to help you find peace. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. See, today, if you're here and you don't have peace in your life, I want to invite you just to invite God to say, be, be my Lord, be my God. I want to follow you. See, here, here's, our, here's our challenge for our week. If, um, when, when we start feeling the, the, the rage, and this will happen. You might be in line, and, and it's taking a long time this, this, that next week. There's a lot of people at the store shopping. And you start thinking, man, i got to get somewhere. Hurry up. Man, calm down. In the middle of whatever starts anxiety or starts storm that's raising up within you, would you breathe and just say, God, would you be the Prince of Peace in this moment? Would you be the Prince of Peace? See, because as our culture becomes more and more this entitlement mentality of, man, we deserve, we, we have all the rights to all these things, well, we can forget that other people are doing their jobs and other people are, are trying to serve, and we can begin to think we're the most important. In the middle of it, we get angry and upset, and we don't realize maybe there's opportunities in front of us to, us to share peace and to share life with others. When we go through a storm that is really difficult, it's not always just for us. A lot of times it's so we can help other people realize that whatever storm they're going through, they can get through it. They can get through it. So today as we talk about good news, the good news is this, that Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, and one of his names is the Prince of Peace. In the middle of the fighting, in the middle of the, the debt, in the middle of the strain, in the middle of whatever you're facing, God says, can I just be God in, in, in your life? And I'll bring peace. Would you trust me enough just to say, all right, I'm going to follow your way? Can you imagine what it will look like if in this room all of us would begin to say, man, we want to be the kind of people that God wants us to be. And the love and the peace that we can pass to other people in Santa Fe. This next week as you walk, try to figure out how many people have peace in the store that you're shopping at and in the workers. And when, you feel, when, you, when you're behind somebody that's um, chewing out the cashier, would you be the person that says, hey, you're doing a good job. Here, here, here's a gift card. Or, hey, you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. Hope you have a Merry Christmas. Don't be the person that adds on saying, man, you're taking forever. But bring peace. Be giver of peace. So do me a favor. If you're here today, would you, um, let's just all close our eyes. We're going to close up, finish service. And I want to just give an invitation. Maybe, maybe you've heard um, my story about not having peace in the middle of financial strain and pressure. You know, that, that adds to marital problems sometimes. It causes more other issues. Maybe you relate to that. Maybe you have a son or daughter who's just causing a lot of stress in your life and, and you're saying, man, I don't know what to do with this. I don't do this situation. I don't know how, how to help. Then God wants to give you peace. And, and I, I, I pray that today before you leave, you would invite God to say, God, give me peace. If, if you're going through those things, invite him today just to give you peace. But if you're here today and, and you've never followed Christ, if, and what I mean is, is you've, you've been going through life wondering what this is all about, and in the middle of it, you've maybe experienced some really difficult things. And you've come today, not an accident. I know it's not an accident. God brought you here. And, and you want to experience what it would be like to have this, this person named Jesus bring peace to your life. I would love to pray for you and lead you in a prayer. 
It's just a simple prayer that says, God, I, I need your help. I need your peace. Forgive me. See, because there's, there's a problem that we all have as humans. It's called sin. It's, it's missing the, God's best for our life. And sin separates and sin keeps us from having peace. And the way we deal with that is by saying, God, I have messed up. Forgive me. And the Bible says that when we confess with our mouth that Jesus, he died on that cross for us, and we believe in our heart that he's Lord, that's when we find peace. That's where we find salvation. If you're here today and you need that kind of peace and that kind of relationship with God, would you do me a favor and just lift your hand? I'm not going to call you to the front. Awesome. I'm not going to call you to the front. I'm just going to lead you to prayer from your seat. If you're here, you're saying, I need God to be my Prince of Peace. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Awesome. So awesome. All right, for all you that raised your hand, would you just, just say this prayer with me? It's just an invitation of saying, God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want to invite you to lead me and be my Prince of Peace. For the rest of us, would you just join us in this prayer? Encourage those that have lifted their hands. Say this. Say, Father God, forgive me for going my own way and doing my own thing. I know that you died on that cross for my sins, for my life. Help me to know your peace. Lead me. Be the God of my life. Show me how to live a life that pleases you. Help me to have peace today. Thank you for coming to this earth to show us a better way. In Jesus' name I pray.